0: we welcome you to the rest podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past rest conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for him. Well, again, I just wanna express appreciation for being able to be here. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. I absolutely love preaching. I love pastors. And it has been, <clears throat> I mean, thoroughly refreshing uh, to me to get to be here with you. Many of you I knew before, and uh, I've met a lot of new folks, and it's just been a great encouragement in my life and uh, the, life, the, the life of my wife. We've been helped. So thanks for being here, and thanks for being our friends. Thanks for smiling at us um, hour after hour after we spoke to you. I, my wife has a saying. She says, God created silence for me to fill with talking. And uh, I, I feel like I've accomplished that. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm tired of hearing me this week. Uh, this has been a heavy dose in just uh, 36 or 48 hours. So thanks for being patient, enduring, and listening. And uh, I hope that something that has been said <laughs> be an encouragement to you and a help to you. And I hope that this morning as well. I wanna return to a theme And I just want to talk to pastors about uh, enduring, about being encouraged, sustained in our enduring. I'd invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read through the whole chapter eventually, I hope, uh, if we have our time. Uh, But let's read for our beginning the first four verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There the Bible says, Therefore, seeing... We have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel be hid, It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Let's pray. Father, we meet now as needy people. We pray that your Holy Spirit would superintend this time, speak to our hearts from your word. Teach us. Challenge us, encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In my study, in my understanding, I would say that 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 5 really serve as a primer of ministry. If you want to know what to anticipate in ministry, if you want to know how to overcome in ministry... If you want to know how to endure, how to be sustained in ministry, I don't think you could do any better than reading and studying 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 5. By the time you finish these chapters, you have made a realization that ministry is not a career, that ministry better be a calling, and that ministry is not a profession like other professions. It's a claim on your life. It's a claim on your family. And there's no way we can dress that up. There's no way that we can wish it away. There's no way that we can make it easy. It's a claim on your life. And I wish that a lot of colleges, I you know our school, we used to have a handbook. And every parent that was going to send their child to our school, we made them read the handbook and sign the handbook. And I think in every ministry training center, we need guys to sign off on 2 Corinthians 1-5 through and say, okay, I've read this, I get it, Uh, there may be some hard things in what I'm about to do. It's helpful to note that in verse 1, Paul says, hey, we've been given this ministry, therefore seeing we have this ministry. And again, it's an interesting word, it's diaconio. it's our It's our thought of being a deacon, and though it doesn't refer to the office of deacon, it does refer to the mindset of the deacon. And every one of us, whether our title is senior pastor, whether our title is pastor or youth pastor, administrator, principal, I don't care what the title is, please understand this. That in essence, when you strip the title away, when you take the name down off the door, what every one of us are, our common denominator is this. We are servants. I love how Strong's defines that word. He says that it is an attendant who runs errands. Hey, you know the ministry I've been given? I've been been called to be an attendant who runs errands. Can I, can I put that in our vernacular? You know what Mike Edwards is? He's a gopher. Now, I remember back in Bible college, I sat next, next to a big Texan named Johnny Fall. He was a great man. And uh, he got saved later in life, called to be a missionary later in life. And here he's a 45 or 50-year-old man sitting next to me, and I'm a much younger man. And and uh, Johnny looked at me. We we sat together in Freshman English class. It was not his favorite subject, and and he said uh, he said Mike, I noticed you got an A on that test, and he said I failed it, and I said well I, I'm not going to share my paper with you on the next test. He said no, I'm not asking that. He said but uh, I, you you mentioned prayer that you needed a job, and uh, I've got a construction company. I'll give you a job. I'll help you learn construction if you help me learn English. And he gave me a job, and I I want to tell you, I told you last night, I am the least talented man on the planet with a hammer and a nail. You give my father a hammer and a nail, he build a house. You give it to me, I'll bust every finger I've got, all right? But Johnny Fall said, nah, he said, "Uh, I've recognized your talents on the job. About a week later, he said this to me. He says, you go get the lumber and bring it to me. (laughs) And man, that was my job. I've carried more two-by-fours and two-by-sixes and buckets of mud and, and everything. I was a gopher, man, but I was serving in that place. By the way, he graduated with a D-minus in English, but he got there. I'm not trying to be silly, but sometimes we just need to remind ourselves who will man, we may have a name on a door and people may call us pastor and we may get letters in the mail that say reverend, but we are gophers, man. We are servants in the service to the king. And what a glorious thing that is. Not only that, but we're simple people. We're simple people because we're not going to Handle the word in craftiness. We're not going to live dishonestly. I love that phrase in verse one that says, We faint not. It it certainly is an acknowledgement that we don't quit. But if you'll study it, it's really an acknowledgement of this that we live differently than other people. We don't behave ourselves shamefully as the pagan priests of this time did. We don't behave ourselves using craft or tricks or we're not deceitful. We're not in it for the gold. Man, aren't you glad of that? Because there's not much in there. Now we're just servants. We're servants who just simply want to tell people about Jesus Christ. In our ministry of the gospel, we're going to face opposition. We're going to face resistance. There is a God of this world And the God of this world blinds uh, those that we're trying to reach. And not only does he blind those who we're trying to reach, he harasses every step of our lives trying to disable us from being able to reach people who are lost. It, It reminds me of those who sometimes would follow the Apostle Paul and just dog his steps until he finally just had to stop and deal with them. And and I'm just saying that there is a God of this world who opposes what we've been called to do. And there's a result of that. The result of it is that sometimes we experience fatigue in fighting it, weariness. Sometimes we just get tired of facing opposition Uh, We we get doubtful about ourselves. We're constantly feeling pressure, and the servant of God needs to realize that's our calling in life. That's that's the claim on our lives, that that we live in a world where there is resistance to what we've been called to do, and our calling is to simply relentlessly continue to do what God has called us to do in the face of all kinds of, of opposition. Well, here's the question I ask. I can do that for a week. I can do that for a month. I might, out of the strength of my flesh, be able to do that six months. How in the world do you do that for 47 years? How do you do that for 50 years? How do you wake up and decide that you're going to do it again this week after a disastrous Sunday? Those do exist, you know. How do you get up and say, hey, I'm glad to do this again? How do you go out and try to reach a lost world day after day after day as a gopher for Jesus? And really, God, I think, outlines three things in here, and let me give them to you as quickly as I can. Here's number one. We are sustained by the purpose of our lives. We are sustained by... By the purpose of our lives. Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. He just won't let us get away from the fact that we are servants, will he? He changes words there. It's no longer diaconia, he's not only not talking about now the service mindset of a deacon, he changes it now in verse 5 to a doulos. We are bond servants. I'm an indentured service to Jesus. You know why? Because He has paid my sin debt. And I will forever be indebted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the amazing thing. I am indebted to the Lord Jesus, but I am not forced to serve. I make myself voluntarily a bondservant to the Lord Jesus because of the incredible debt that I have to Him. Again, and I'm not trying to sound folksy, folks, never get too far away from where God found you and how God found you. I say over and over again to the point where at Heritage it was kind of a joke, but it's not a joke with me. I say the words February of 1975. And I want to tell you, it was a demarcation point in my life. I don't forget where I got saved. I don't forget who I was when God saved me. I remember where I was. I remember the day. I remember the place. I remember the circumstances. And I remember the line of demarcation in my life when I no longer was what I had been, and I, and I began to understand that all things were becoming new. And I want you to know from 1977 to 2022, I'm not over that yet. I am amazed every day that God uses me, that God would take a person like me and, and be willing to use me in any way. And, and can I be honest with you? When that's your opinion of yourself being a gopher for the lord gofer for the lord's not so bad it's a pretty exalted position when you remember where he dragged you out of and what he changed in your life and the opportunity he is giving you now he's just saying look we're servants of the lord and those of us can you imagine the heart of paul who knew what god had done in his life after what he had been and Paul says, man, I'm gladly a bondservant of the Lord. I want to serve for the debt that, I'm, or that I owe. But look at this, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, one of the greatest things in life is to know your purpose. Do you know why I am on planet Earth in 2022? I am on planet Earth in 2022 to let God shine through my life. And so that others can see Christ in me. That is my sole purpose for being on this Earth. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I'm a grandpa and and, uh, I have friends and so on. But my purpose is I am a light on this earth for Jesus Christ. I am someone to be used in the service of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest blessings in our lives is to be purposeful, to know our purpose. I I used to tell folks one of the greatest blessings in my life was to know that I was solidly in the will of God knowing what God wanted me to do. I knew that I was married to the person God wanted me to be married to. I was pastoring the church that God wanted me to pastor. I lived in the town where God wanted me to live. I sat in the office that God wanted me to have. I I, I just knew it was God's will. What a thrill it is when we don't wonder if we're where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. And Paul says, hey, here's why I'm on earth. I had a lot of other stuff, but I've put that aside. I'm on earth so that Jesus can use my life to allow him to shine and into the lives of others who have been blinded by the God of this world. That's why we're here. Nothing more, nothing less. I I so appreciate the thought of we make our lives too complicated and we need to be more simple in understanding who we are now. All of that is good, but look at verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. One of our problems is, is that we live inside these bodies. And I know my great purpose, and I recognize that great purpose, but I live in this earthen vessel. And that brings some things that are hard to deal with. You know, sometimes as we live in this world, we experience this world in very difficult ways. Paul goes on, he says uh, in verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Uh, Have you ever recognized as the pastor that you are the answer person? That, that you are supposed to know it all and you are supposed to have the right answer? And did you realize that every answer you give, at least 50% of the people will think it's the wrong answer on any given day? And by the way, they'll switch crowds on the next day. <laughs> and, and there's a pressure. That, that word, we are uh, uh, troubled on every side, is just always a squeezing, a pressing. Hey, I know I've got a great purpose I, I live for Jesus. I preach Jesus. It's just I'm in this earthen vessel, and sometimes I just feel so squeezed. And I just, I just it's pressure. And, and I've got to try to deal with this group and that group. And the Lord says, yeah, I know you're troubled on every side, but you're never crushed. You're never distressed. God always has an answer at the right time. He says the servant of God will be perplexed but God's presence and power can save him from despair. Perplexed means literally to feel like we've got no way out. I can remember days in my pastoring life when it was just so heavy. I didn't know what to do. You've never been there, I'm sure, but you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what the right call was. You didn't know whether you could keep this family or not, or whether this family was going to leave or not, and you just just didn't know what to do. And and you can try to scheme and devise and come up with it yourself, but I'm just telling you, God always knows what to do. My favorite scene in the Bible is when Moses and, and Israel get down to the Red Sea. In the will of God, they get down to the Red Sea. Under the direction of God, they get down to the Red Sea. And you know what happened. That crowd started complaining and fussing at Moses, threatening Moses. And I love Moses' response. He says, be still, but in the Greek, you study it, he is saying, shut up. (laughs) He has had enough. (laughs) But he just says, hey, look, I don't have an answer, but God's got an answer. And when he stilled the people and God directed him to hold that rod up and that sea split and the wind dried out and they crossed over on the other sea, can't you just see somebody in the crowd saying, I figured that's what God would do. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw that rod and I was pretty sure God would have the sea split. With, no, you didn't. You didn't know it, they didn't know it, God knew it, and God put you in that place so that God could show you that even when you were perplexed, you were not going to despair. God was not going to abandon you. And when you didn't know how to go forward, He taught you that if you'll stay on your face before Him and trust Him, He will show you a way. You know what? For all the years I pastored, I hated coming down to that shore every time. But I learned that I could rejoice. You know what they did when they got to the other side? They sang that great praise song to the Lord. And I love that part. I just hate getting to the shore. And not only that, but they were persecuted. Literally, we feel pursued. We wish we could run away. But we're never abandoned. God never forsakes us. We may feel cast down, smitten, beat up. But we've always able to get up. I think of Paul at Lystra. There he was stoned, and I'm sure they walked away satisfied that they had gotten rid of him. But you know what Paul did? He got up. I don't know whether he's dead or not. I don't know if that's when he saw glory or not. But I know at Lystra he got up. And By the way, when he got up, he didn't say, I've had enough. When he got up, he went back to preaching. And he went back to ministry. Why? Because we faint not. Because we don't live like other people. We don't run when it gets hard. We don't despair when it gets tough. We don't give up when people don't agree. We we search out God and we look for God and we trust God and we follow God because we faint not. And we also understand this, that God's purpose is not going to be stopped. One of the great things we can recognize is that we are floating in this stream of time, living our seasons of life in the will of God. And I may not always have an answer, and I may not always have that upbeat spirit. I may not always be that one who has that positive outlook, but I'm floating along this thing with God. And God's purposes will never be frustrated. That Red Sea did not frustrate God's purpose. He completed His purpose. When Joshua got leadership and came to the Jordan River and it was flooding it did not stop God's purpose when they got across and here's another problem after they get across there's Jericho that great walled city that great walled city did not stop God's purpose God brought the walls down and I want you to know that in your church in your ministry in your life doing what God has you doing in his will for your life The gates of hell shall not prevail against his work. And God's purpose will go right on. I don't know if the Dems are going to win in November or the R's are going to win in November, but I guarantee you whoever wins it's not going to stop God's purpose. I don't know whether your deacons are going to do right or do wrong. I don't know whether somebody's going to leave your church or not, but I do know this, on the day after they leave, God's purpose will go on. And we faint not because we serve the God of purpose and we are involved in his purpose. We are not the big shot, we're the gopher, but we're walking along with God and his purpose and even the gates of hell cannot prevail against that purpose. You and I are sustained by the fact that this is not about me. Paul said we preach not ourselves. You want to find a sorry subject, preach about yourself. Make yourself the focus. We preach Christ. And our purpose is to let our light shine, whether we stand at the Red Sea or at the walls of Jericho or whether we're standing at the gates of hell. God's with us, and God's purpose is not frustrated. And we are in that scheme with God. It doesn't make the situation easier. But I want to tell you, when your perspective is victory in the midst of the battle, it helps you faint not. Here's number two, very quickly. We are sustained by our prospect of victory. We're sustained by our purpose, our great purpose. We serve God. Number two, we're sustained by our prospect of victory. Look up verse 10 always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, that sounds victorious, doesn't it? Preacher, you talk a lot about dying. Amen. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death. Man, there's another great reason to get into ministry. Hey, Bible college student, here's the truth. You are every day going to die a little bit, all right? that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Servant of God is to bear in his own body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And it's not a light consideration, but every moment of our lives, we carry with us the body of the dying Lord Jesus. I'm going to try to say this clearly and helpfully. Jesus had a satisfying, rewarding, joy-filled life. But in truth, there was a seriousness and a purpose in his life because he was constantly in contact with the enemy. I want to be a little careful, but... The ministry is serious. It's not light. And I'm I'm weary of trying to present the ministry and trying to entice people to ministry without telling them the truth. Brother, it's a heavy load to bear. There's a seriousness. I used to pastor Marines. Uh, We were five miles from the front gate of Quantico and I love pastoring Marines. But often they would come in after they had been one or two or three tours. We had, a, we had a, a squadron of our guys who knocked the doors down in Fallujah. If you can imagine walking through that town and kicking doors down, knowing that probably 90% chance on the other side of that door are AK-47s or booby traps. And sometimes they would come into my office and, and they would literally shake when they began to talk about it. And I'd say, did you, did you have to kill someone? No, I didn't kill anybody. But what, what, were you close to the explosion? Well, yeah, I, was, I heard explosions. You know what got them? It was that for 30 or 45 days, unrelentingly, they were in contact with the enemy. They were on the street where the enemy was. They were kicking the door down where the enemy was. And they said, preacher, I'll tell you what gets me. What brings the PTSD is, is that now I can't break that in my heart, in my mind. I'm in constant contact. I'm, I'm always thinking around the next door, there's going to be a gun. Around the next door, there's a booby trap. And they said it was that constant contact with the enemy. Do you know that as we minister every day, we're in constant contact with the enemy? And we look to the life of Jesus And they were always trying to ensnare him. Every conversation he had, he had to be careful of his words. He had to be discretion. He had to use uh, uh, discretion in what he said and who he said it to. In in every place, there was a place of ministry. And and I'm just telling you that sometimes that can grow wearying. So it can be with bondservants of the Lord. If you're looking for an easy servant's life, I fear that you're going to be disappointed in ministry. But if you're looking for the power of God to shine in your life, even though difficulty reigns, you've landed in the right place if you're in the ministry. But too often we focus on the trial and not the victory. Can I say it again? Too often we focus on the trial and not the victory. We used to have a lady in our church, beautiful voice, and every Easter she would sing a song, I think it was entitled, The Via Dolorosa. And the Via Dolorosa is the pathway that Jesus walked from Pilate's Judgment Hall to Calvary. And literally translated, it is the way of pain and sorrow. Preacher, how do you define ministry? It's It's the way of pain and sorrow. Sometimes you feel like that. It's just so serious. You're dealing with people about their souls. You're dealing with people about their problems. And it feels like every step you take, I'm walking the way of sorrow. I'm walking the way of a problem. I'm walking the way of sorrow. I'm walking the way of the problem. And, And I just want to remind you that Jesus made it to the top of that hill. Well yeah, he made it to the top of the hill, but they, they nailed him to the cross and lifted him up between heaven and Earth. And, and, and he died in that place with them mocking them and Yeah, I know that, but he made it off the hill. And they buried him in a tomb. Oh, and, and by the way, three days later, he rose again. Now I want to tell you, I never enjoy walking the Via della Rosa but I absolutely love being with Jesus on the third day. And one of the things that you and I have to do in ministry is recognize that God has made a claim on our life, and our calling involves walking that Via Dolorosa. Our, our life is involved in difficult things, uh, Constant contact with the enemy. Always have to being discreet. Always having to be aware that eyes are on us and always being aware that our testimony matters. We walk a serious life. There isn't a day where I can just be like everybody else. Can I say that again? There is no day when I can just be like everybody else because I'm not everybody else. I'm called of God to lead God's people in some segment, in some way. And I know it's tough to bear, but I can't be like everybody else because I'm in constant contact with the enemy. But it ain't all bad because on that third day, I get to lead the guy to Christ. I get to see the family put back together. I get to sense God work through me have you experienced that have you had those moments where you just knew it was you and God and God did something real and God did something great in your life can I tell you the truth I've had those moments where the Holy Spirit ministered to my heart spoke to me spoke to me you say you heard an audible voice I don't know he spoke to me And I want you to understand something. Not a lot of people get that. We get that. Yes, our lives are serious. Yes, there's a way up that hill to pain and sorrow. Yes, we're in constant contact with the enemy. But we get to sit down and see God work in us. We get to experience Him personally. I wouldn't trade that just to be like everybody else. I wouldn't trade those moments to see life birthed in someone else. I'm just telling you that we can trust God's power. It sustains us. It works. Hey, very, very quickly, we're sustained by faith in God's power. Let's pick it up very quickly. Verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many down to the glory of God, for which cause... uh, He stuck it in there again. We faint not. We are willing to live differently than everybody else. We are not going to quit. We are not going to go away. We faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know what the ministry is? Feeling like you perish a little bit each day. Feeling like you give and give and give and when you're depleted, people need you to give some more. Do they teach that in Bible college? You know what I want the ministry to be? I want the ministry to be me buying a Gulfstream 600 jet. I think I deserve that, don't you? Because when I do fly, there's demon-possessed people on those planes and I, I need to be by myself in a Gulfstream. You know what I want the best? You know what what I want the ministry to be? I want the ministry to be my best life now. (laughs) I wish one day I was as skinny as that guy. (laughs) And I'd take his hair too. You know what the ministry is? Giving. Giving out. Giving out going when you're tired. Hey, sometimes leaving your family for a couple hours to go minister to somebody else's family. Is that's not fair? No, it's not fair. Yeah, Jesus didn't lead a real fair life either. In the ministry, we perish a little bit each day. We give it, we give it, we give it. But can I remind you that we are sustained in the inner man? I wish I had three hours to talk to you. But I'm just telling you that being called into the ministry is serious business. We need to be thoughtful about it. And we need to recognize that Christ has made a claim on our lives. And I'll just finish very quickly. Let's just read the rest of the chapter and let me make a comment about it. But notice this, verse 17, for our light affliction. Sometimes wives don't feel like it's very light affliction. I'm just telling you, there were a lot of things my wife had to do that other wives didn't have to do. I I say this, I've known other men that could preach the bark off a tree. And they could administer circles around me. I am the worst administrator. I've I've never seen a detail. I don't know what (laughs) details are. But I married a woman who could allow me to be in the ministry. And I married a woman who could understand and carry the load and understand the weight and understand the reward. And I'm just saying to you that I understand light affliction is perspective. I know that when you're in the middle of it, I know that I've gone home and wept. I know that I've gone home with a heavy heart and a bad mood. Well, leave the ministry in the office. Yeah, when you figure that one out, would you share that with me? When God gives you a heart to love and lead and care about people, how do you leave that at the church? Hey, there were days when we started the church when my office was downstairs. How do you, how do you divorce those two where you got to have your wife keep the kids quiet because you're writing sermons and having prayer time? I, I'm just telling you, folks, I understand it's heavy. How do you work two and three jobs because they won't pay you enough? How do you, how do you watch the budget go up but your salary never change? How do you watch them leave over the color of a wall or the color of the carpet? How do you watch them bicker and fight at each other and, and, and not let it drive you crazy? Hey, by our perspective today, it is heavy affliction, not light. But I'm, I'm telling you, this is not our best life now. (laughs) I don't care what you ride in or how big a house you have or how much you get paid, this is not your best life now. Our best life now is up there. And when we have that perspective and we look back on our ministries, I think we're going to have two great realizations. That was truly light affliction. And not only was that light affliction... But the reward of bearing up and fainting not will make it all worthwhile. I wish I could stand here and tell you today, hey, ministry's not serious. Get you a job description. Get you a a salary request application. And get you a job and you just be in the ministry. You're going to love it. But the ministry ain't that way. The ministry calls for people who refuse to faint. The ministry calls for people who can live under affliction. The ministry is a claim on our lives to give and give and give of ourselves in the face of opposition. It is a claim on our lives to live in contact with the enemy but trust our God to do great and mighty things through us and deliver us. Seek at His feet His strength and power and I'm just telling you, that's the ministry. And ain't it a great life? And I mean that. Not another group of people I'd rather sit with and be with than this group of people who are like-minded and understand. And, and can I add this, and then I'll quit and get out of here. That's why we desperately need each other. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen sepping you all. And when you see we can make it and I see you can make it and we can laugh about it together a little bit and enjoy one another and be encouraged from God's Word, man, we really need to rest. Let's remember that. We're the best friends each other's have. And let's be together and let's live for God and let's accept His claim on our life and above all things as bond servants, just gophers, Let's faint not. Let's just stay everlastingly at it. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2022 is scheduled for September 5th through the 7th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on rest, please visit our website, therestconference.com.